Fox News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. Concerns are growing as new information from the International Atomic Energy Agency disclosed that Iran has received weapons-grade enriched uranium through a secret deal with Russia pushing the nation closer than ever to achieving nuclear capabilities. Back in 2018, it would have taken Iran about 12 months uh, to produce one uh, bomb's worth of fissile material. Uh, Now it would take about 12 days. Meantime, the road to the 2024 presidential election continues, but without former Maryland Governor Larry Hogan, who announced that he will not be running for the White House, many are wondering whether or not President Biden will officially be running as well. The guess is that he will. But when? For a conversation on this and more, we bring in our panel. D.C. Bureau Chief for USA Today, Susan Page, Republican strategist, co-founder of South and Hill Strategies, Colin Reed, and Fox News congressional correspondent, Aisha Hosni. Aisha, up on Capitol Hill today, what, what is all the talk? Is it about the, the Medicare? Is it about the Capitol Hill, the tapes of January 6th? Is it about, what is it about? Hey, Brett, good to be with you. Uh, I would say it is all about China right now. In the past couple of weeks to today, we are very concerned, uh, Republicans and Democrats, about this rising China threat. Um, You know, we've always had a few China hawks on the Hill. Now it kind of feels like everybody is a China hawk. So we're seeing really healthy bipartisanship on this particular issue. And in fact, uh, Senators Mark Warner, John Thune, have now introduced a bill that would allow the government to really regulate and ban foreign-owned technology, which could include something as massively popular as TikTok. Huge deal, uh, because whenever they've tried this before, Brett, it's failed. So it'll be interesting to see where they go with this one in the Senate. But when you think about the spy balloon, the spy cranes now, TikTok, Chinese police stations, the military buildup, intellectual property theft, I could go on and on and on. Of course, the COVID uh, lab leak theory uh, now likely being the theory. It's sort of been this perfect storm for folks to really go further than just economic competition, the kinds of things that we saw last year. And China is feeling it and sort of warning the U.S., look, you don't want to be headed for conflict. The White House, in comparison, a little bit more careful, appearing to not really want to escalate tensions here. Um, Still no details on that call that we were supposed to see between the two leaders. But really in Congress, it's been China being the main focus um, of this Mm -hmm. legislative session. The president, Susan, has said he wants uh, competition, not conflict. And the White House has gone out of its way to kind of uh, project that, uh, saying the vice president saying she didn't think that the uh, fallout from the spy balloon was going to impact U.S.-China relations. However, there are some some aggressive words from China, including the foreign minister, uh, kind of warning the U.S. just in the past couple of days, and a lot of. Pentagon and Intel folks suggesting that China may be getting more aggressive with its military, definitely spending more on it in recent weeks. You know, Brett, obviously a lot of concern about China at the White House with the administration and the idea that uh, President Biden had early on about 
uh, more cooperative relationship, that has been hard to deliver on. You know, one of the things they are most concerned about is the prospect that China might start to help Russia with its war in Ukraine. That would be a very big complication indeed. So a time where, as Isha was saying, it is hard to find an American official who is optimistic or even feeling uh, sanguine about U.S.-China relations. We are really on a downward spiral. And Colin, you know, this bipartisan China committee, the um, chair is uh, Congressman Gallagher from Wisconsin. And it does seem like there is some bipartisan interaction there uh, trying to find a way to stand up to the CCP uh, aggressive actions. Where do you think this goes? Yeah, for all the talk about the rancor and the disagreements between the parties and the inability to find common ground, China and specifically concerns about the Chinese Communist Party are an area where there is some symmetry between the parties. And one of the things that was striking uh, for the the hearing that you mentioned, Brett, last week is it wasn't just Republicans and Democrats yelling at each other. Uh, There was a remarkable amount of of areas where they, they did agree. And that's consistent with polling data and public opinion. And it is the one thing that if this Congress is able to get anything done uh, over the next year and a half, my my suspicion is it would be uh, related to China and the Chinese Communist Party uh, to some degree. I know there's an effort afoot uh, to potentially uh, ban TikTok, and that could be an area that 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 these lawmakers could 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 find some common ground on. And, you know, the 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 Chinese spy balloon, uh, it's only been a month. It feels like a year since we were discussing that, and that was dominating the national discussion. That was not a good political moment for the Biden administration. And they know, they see these polls the same way we all do. They need to be able to go into the re-election year with a strong message of standing up to China. And that was an area that was not helpful to that cause. And, and they need something better to take to the voters in terms of what they're doing on this issue. Panel, we'll hold it right there. On the domestic front, Aisha, there is um, obviously a lot of focus on uh, the president putting forward a budget, and he's talking about uh, Medicare and raising taxes um, on people, he says, making over $400,000 a year to pay their fair share uh, and to make Medicare solvent for another 25 years at least. There is obviously a lot of concern about regular order in Congress and whether and the House has pledged that they are going to put forward a specific budget and appropriations bills. The Senate hasn't really signed on to that. Uh, Senator Sheldon Whitehouse is the head of the budget committee over there and not sure whether that's going to happen or not. Um, But that's all going to hit there on Capitol Hill in coming days. It will. I do get a sense, though, Brett, that there's still some time, right? I, I think that people still feel like there's some negotiating time between House Republicans and the president. Uh, I don't know where they are, are at with that in their negotiations yet. You know, we've also obviously seen in the past couple of weeks the president saying he's not ready to come to the table when it comes to uh, talking about the debt ceiling. He, he, he thinks that there's no negotiation when it comes to that. So I think that there is still a sense that there's still some time to figure things out. And of course, I always say, just watch, you know, especially somebody like Mitch McConnell, um, who has been a pretty good mediator and negotiator in the past. Um, so keep an eye on somebody like that. But I do think that there is a sense that there is still some time to, to work this out. Susan, regular order has been something that has not been regular in Washington for a long time. 
do not hold your breath waiting for the regular order uh, to take place, especially I think uh, on the budget this year. Um, uh, you know, we have a new house uh, under a new house under Republican control. Um, we have uh, Democrats controlling the Senate and we have everybody running for reelection, including uh, President Biden and, uh, uh, you know, a couple of those big Republican names, which are so familiar. So I think the the hope, the aspiration is to try to avoid uh, going over the cliff on the debt ceiling. And I'm not sure the aspirations go very much higher than that uh, in, with the idea of returning to some uh, where we pass all the appropriations bills and they get signed and we don't do any more continuing resolutions. That would be nice. It's hard for me to see that actually happening. Yeah, and that's a good point. I mean, we get rid of, ready for presidential politics. Um, we are always one election away from solving the big things, Colin, it seems. Um, but... You know, whether it's going to work as the House Republicans hope, it seems like it's hope. Yeah. And these budgets, both the, the budget that the president's preparing to put out and the one that the House Republicans will put out shortly thereafter, that I mean, those will be messaging budgets. They will be documents that are used for political fodder and to to, to uh, prosecute your case and, 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 and for the parties to to lay a marker in the sand. And then most of this will get kicked into the into the larger can of the presidential uh, primary debate, and uh, that's where the real action will take place. And on on that front, that's just uh, it's becoming increasingly a uh, more and more open field on, on both sides of the aisle. Uh, and you know, I would watch for a candidate on either side to come along and make a, a point that's a little bit different than what everybody else is saying to use it as a way to to, to leverage that. And that could be some of the names on the left that are making noise against President Biden, or some of those folks on the right who are looking to have a breakout moment whose name is not. Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis, and is going to try and use this moment to get some attention and some and some uh, buzz around their candidacy. Last thing, Aisha, um, I talked about uh, Ron and Russia working together at the top here, uh, but right. Russia in Ukraine and the support for Ukraine, that still seems like a, a pretty solid bipartisan effort on Capitol Hill. Fair? I think it's a fair assessment. I think that there's been a lot of talk about this far right group of folks in the house that have created a lot of noise and buzz around you know are we going to continue to keep funding this war are we going to continue to keep putting so much focus and attention on this and spending and sending our weapons and we ourselves are facing um you know a shortfall on weapons i think there's been a lot of talk on that um you know in my conversations with uh foreign affairs chairman Michael McCall, you know, he's assured me, look, I'm going to be doing some, um, I think he's, he put it this way, um, some teaching, some education um, on why, you know, this war is incredibly important for Americans, why it's so important that Ukraine wins and defeats Russia and that Russia moves out. Um, just on the Iran front, I do think that that is what's happening is really fascinating and something to watch. Um, you know, not only are we watching China cozying up to Russia, but also Iran cozying up to Russia, or rather Russia cozying up to Iran, um, this is a huge problem for Mideast countries' stability in that region. But now we're also hearing about these alleged secret deals, right, between these two countries where Russia's uh, promising Iran it's going to return all of that enriched uranium that it's storing if this nuclear deal falls apart. I mean, this is kind of like very serious stuff that would make critics of the JCPOA think, 
why, how could we ever trust either party, party to be a participant of this deal? Why would we ever want to go through with this? You know, all of this happening as a top UN inspector basically, you know, comes back and says, Iran's not going to restore cameras at its nuclear sites. I mean, this is something else to watch. We've been focused so heavily on Ukraine and China. You know, you've got Iran back there, too, um, working on nukes. Yeah. Access of evil. Uh, Susan, last word on this front. Yeah, if this is true, this report, uh, it's very serious uh, news. Indeed, it's serious for Ukraine with Iran helping Russia on drones and other equipment for Ukraine and for the whole world in terms of Iran's nuclear program. Definitely something to watch, to be concerned about, something that defied the efforts of a series of administrations to get control of. It is one to watch. Uh, Panel, thank you so much. And now for a bit of history. On March 7th, 1965, Alabama state troopers and civil rights activists clashed in Selma, Alabama, during what would later be known as the Bloody Sunday protest. More than 600 protesters attended the march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge, one of which was 25-year-old activist John Lewis. John Lewis would later go on to serve 17 terms in Congress until his death in 2020. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. We want to hear from you. For Susan, Colin, and Aisha, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.